0: Everyone, welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Bosarge. As always, my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 175 days, 22 hours, 59 minutes, and 43 seconds away from the 2023 NFL draft.
1: There we are, Brian. And we're back again. Hit, hit. We're getting close to the end of the college season, only a couple weeks away here from the regular season coming to a close. Got our first college football playoff ranking, a big week that was. So, the tr- trade deadline NFL, we're going to talk about that tonight. Lots to talk about.
0: Yeah, we do got a lot to talk about. Uh, we've already got several questions on Twitter. We've got several questions on Discord already. And we've got a couple questions already in the comments. So, Shane, Anybody else got any questions, now's the time to get them in. Uh, we are going to answer those at the end of the show, and as always, if you're not a member of our Discord, we ask you to do so. Uh, go to the uh, DraftCatNow.com in the top right-hand corner of the toolbar there. Uh, click on Join the Discord and have fun with us, uh, especially, like I said, during game days. We always have a good crowd in there talking talking football. But Shane, you mentioned... Uh, The NFL trade deadline, which was Tuesday, and holy crap. It was like the NBA, man. It's like what we've always wanted to see from the NFL trade deadline. Ten trades took place on Tuesday. Uh, We have another additional two trades that took place before Tuesday, and we're going to talk about those. We're going to talk about them in order as they came in. Uh, So we're just going to hit them all briefly and talk about them. The first trade happened not long after – The podcast last week, uh, former first round pick Kadarius Toney dealt by the New York Giants to the Kansas City Chiefs in exchange for a 2023 third round pick. That will be uh, the comp pick from the Chiefs that they got uh, and a sixth round pick in 2023. Uh, Initial thoughts on Kadarius Toney uh, getting out of New York there and going to Kansas City. I, I think it works for both sides. I think if you're the Chiefs, you need another weapon.
1: they kind of been looking for that. Sky Moore hasn't really emerged yet. So, yeah, go get go get a first-round pick, right? A guy that is a weapon, someone they can use creatively. I think the Giants, it's a very different offense than Canary Stoney was drafted into to be in. I get it for their end, and I think it's a decent return for a guy that probably wasn't going to play for you anyway
0: yeah still on his rookie contract too so the money the money's right for Kansas City there as well uh when tony was drafted by the giants it was always weird to me because it always felt like that was their fallback plan so to speak uh they wanted Chase. They wanted Devontae Smith. They wanted Jalen Waddell. All those guys were gone by the time they came on the clock. Then they took the deal with the Bears for the Bears to move up for fields. They moved back. Tony was the next wide receiver, I guess, on the board. So they're like, hey, we were going to draft a wide receiver, so we're going to take one anyway. It, it, It always felt forced to me like they took the need instead of best player available type of deal. So fresh start for everybody here on that. Well, and I think it's a good spot for the Giants too, maybe to draft another
1: receiver. It's going to be a big need. I think they could even draft two and redo that room outside of Wanda Robinson. Uh, So in terms of draft implications, I think that late third is going to be a nice spot just outside the top 100 in a pretty deep receiver class, in my opinion. Right. Because they
0: spent big money on Kenny Galladay. That has not worked out. Um, Maybe the one of the biggest trades that happened over the, of course, uh, was this on Monday, I believe, Shane? Uh, Roquan Smith, linebacker for the Bears on an expiring contract, dealt to the Baltimore Ravens for a 2023 second and a 2023 fifth-round pick. Uh, Roquan Smith, one of the leading tacklers, if not the leading tackler in the NFL right now, uh, goes over to Baltimore where they have uh, – and that's a need. I mean, now they'll add – that big guy to to make those tackles in the middle for them that they haven't had in a while. Uh Chicago gets basically you know some premium draft capital for a rental player. Yeah, I I think when you saw that Robert
1: Quinn trade go down for the Bears and Roquan Smith was uh it, it, do, taking questions at the time and they kind of broke it to him. He he broke down crying. He's been waiting for this trade to happen. I think the deal wasn't going to get done. He wasn't going to get the money. I get it from the bears end. Like you're kind of rebuilding here. This is not a position to put big money into linebackers. Generally not that position. Um, so I, 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 was a little surprised they got what they got. I think they're paying a number, a little bit of that contract decent amount. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Ravens, Patrick queen, they drafted the first round 2020 is inconsistent at best. And so I think adding a a really consistent presence, like you said, tackling, but also has done a lot in pass coverage this year. I think it's good. And I think for the bears, it just allows you another, you know, a pick to retool us. We'll talk about here in a second.
0: Yeah. um, I I assume Baltimore is going to extend him or, or has already had preliminary talks with his agent or this trade probably doesn't happen uh, from there. Uh, A trade that kind of surprised me a little bit, Shane, Uh, Minnesota uh, acquired Lions tight end TJ Hawkinson, so the intra division trade here. Uh, They also get a 2023 fourth and a 2024 fourth that becomes a fifth. If I read this correctly, a conditional fourth that actually becomes a fifth-round pick if the Vikings win a playoff game don't think i've ever seen that before that you actually are lose a draft round for winning a playoff game i'm guessing the vikings would gladly uh gladly do that uh detroit gets a 2023 second and a 24 third so detroit is loading up on the picks uh i think we know why <laughs> we we do though uh dan
1: campbell said today that they would have traded him if they were 6 and 1 so a little slap in the face to Hawkinson, I guess, <laughs> like, Hey, like we were, we were moving them either way. And, and TJ Hawkinson said he expected to be traded, not to the Vikings, but he expected to be traded at the deadline. So I, this had to be brewing in the works. I'm surprised because we didn't hear really anything. I, I did not expect it, but um, Irv Smith went to injured reserve, you know, right after that trade, they knew that he was going to be out for some time, pretty big need. Uh, that's an important aspect of this offense. So I get it. I mean Hawkinson, when he's been healthy, has been productive. I think this is fairly cheap for a, a decent tight end. Tight end can block for a first round pick. Um, and you know, I, I get it from the Lions, and like you're not know, winning anything this year, you can find a tight end. Uh, so so I kind of understand it and just gives them more depth. I you know, I think pick wise for the Lions, I I know we you and I have talked a little bit like, oh you know, maybe they're they're not gonna draft a quarterback, maybe that's a little overblown. But they they're just gathering picks just in case I feel like they need to move up at some point in this draft or two. Maybe it's not the top of the first, but at some point they need to move up for a quarterback. I think they, they have as much as almost anyone other than Seahawks
0: to do it. For a team that doesn't need a quarterback, they sure are acting like a team that needs a quarterback. <laughs> Fair. Um this one hits close to home for you, Shane. Our next trade up here is, and we kind of talked about this uh off-air last week. What would this trade happen? Uh Chicago has acquired Steelers wide receiver, former Steelers wide receiver Chase Claypool in exchange for a 2023 second round pick. Uh, And this is, this is the bears pick and it's not the pick that the bears acquired from Baltimore uh, days earlier in the Roquan Smith trade. Um, So it is a chance here that Pittsburgh might actually recoup a higher draft position than what they used to take Chase Claypool. Uh, here, but uh, it seemed like the welcome had worn out there uh, for the former Notre Dame uh, pass catcher. Yeah, I'm happy with it as a
1: Steelers fan. Uh, I think Chase Claypool has a lot of talent that has shown through at times, shine through, but it's never consistent, you know, drop passes. There's some maturity concerns and off the field things, nothing like super bad, but um, just, he he didn't really have a spot. Like George Pickens overtook his spot and they were trying to plug him in in the slot where he didn't fit. He just just didn't fit. Um, So I get it from the Steelers end. They're not going anywhere this year for the bears. I think this is interesting. And I want to get your take. If you like this deal for them, because I I can, I can see both ways. I feel like it's a lot to pay, especially their pick instead of the Ravens pick. Um, But Especially for a team that's probably not going to win, they're not winning the Super Bowl this year. They're probably not making the playoffs. Um, but I also see, like, hey, we want to develop Justin Fields. You got almost nothing on that offense outside Darnell Mooney. Let, let's let get a big receiver that he can throw it up to in, let him develop. Like, I get it from that. end. I probably would have saved the pick and drafted C- Cedric Tillman, uh, drafted someone there instead. But maybe it's, you know, kind of equal. Um, but yeah, I think I think for the Steelers, this gives them a lot of flexibility now in in the draft to have a high, you know, a couple high second round picks um, for a team that needs a lot on defense and a lot on the offensive line. This is this is good for them.
0: I mean, this is the price that the Bears have paid basically to get their quarterback. They had to give up the capital to do it, and therefore couldn't use the capital that they would have had to surround said quarterback with weapons. So it's it's kind of the chicken before the egg situation here, but I think this is a good move for the Bears. Uh, Claypool has at times showed that he can be a high-volume uh, production receiver in the NFL, so I think it's a good trade for them. Uh, Shane, I think Miami has said that, uh, you know what, uh, we're, we're going all in, and and they've gone full, uh, full less need here and said, F them picks. Uh, Shane, uh, they give up a the their only first-round pick they have now, uh, which was San Francisco's that was acquired in the Trey Lance uh, trade a couple of years ago. They also give up a 24 fourth-round pick and running back Chase Edmonds. Uh, they acquire uh, pass rusher Bradley Chubb, who I also expect will be getting extended by the Dolphins at some point. As he's in a contract year, and a 2025 fifth round pick. Uh, so we 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 talked off air, you know, the 2025 picks on the move now, Shane. But uh, Bradley Chubb, first of all, how do you feel that he helps Miami? You know, get to the playoffs this year, and then we'll talk about uh, uh, the draft picks.
1: I think he helps them for sure. They they drafted Jalen Phillips, who I think is a little bit hit or miss as a pass rusher. Chubb is a player I think has not quite lived up to expectations. A lot of it's been injury-related. So when he's healthy and he's in there, he's going to help the Dolphins' defense. And their defense so far has been built on good coverage to create sacks. Now, if you have the pass rushers and the good coverage, right, great things happen. I think this Miami Dolphins' defense – is pretty good and, and they just needed that last piece. So I understand the offense is, is zooming. They, they we'll talk about some other deals they did. I, I think the dolphins become really intriguing with uh with Bradley Chubb there.
0: I do too. And I find it uh this also for Denver, by the way, they're trying to recoup picks here that they gave up in the Russell Wilson trade, which <laughs> that obviously uh that's not, not, not really working out for them right now. Uh but Let's talk a little bit about uh quickly because I saw a graphic for this. The picks they acquire from San Francisco in the Trey Lance trade, Miami has turned into Jalen Waddell, uh, Bradley Chubb, and Tyreek Hill. That's pretty good. <laughs> now it's come at a cost of a lot of cash, but I mean it's that's that's a pretty good haul uh for for that. So Miami uh doing it right there. Yeah. And and you see
1: on the field how Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell have affected this offense. Like, one thing I like about the Dolphins and Mike McDaniel was, and Tua even uh, in this offense, like, get the ball in their hands and let them just do their thing. Like, that's the offense, and it works. So, yeah, get playmakers. They're
0: the fastest team in the NFL. It's funny. That's what worked at Alabama. Tua had the four by 100 relay team at the wide receiver position get the ball to them quickly, let them get the yak. And that Miami is like, Mike McDaniel's like, let's do that. Right. (laughs) And it's working. Uh, This trade intrigued me, Shane, because Atlanta has moved Calvin Ridley, who's currently suspended uh, from the NFL for gambling, uh, to Jacksonville. Jacksonville acquires the currently suspended player. In exchange, Atlanta gets a 2023 fifth-round pick that can become a fourth if he's reinstated by a certain date. I don't. I don't think that was re, that date was released. Uh, they get a 2024 fourth that can become a third if he reaches certain playtime goals, and a second if Jacksonville extends his contract. So this becomes, I think, I, I can't ever recall a condition of a trade that was linked to the team actually extending someone's contract. So I don't know if that disincentivizes Jacksonville to do that or not, but um, that, I mean, that pick, like it says, in 2024. So this is a great trade for Jacksonville if Calvin really can go back to playing the way he was, because you've got to get Lawrence all the help he can get because that he's not looking so good right now.
1: I, I I think it's a good trade if Calvin Ridley's not what he was. <laughs> like, right, if things go sour, the worst you're you know, you're giving up two day three picks for the, the shot. I think it's pretty I think it's worth the chance. Right. We've seen much worse trades for you know players with much more unknowns. Um and I think we all knew I think most people knew Calvin Ridley was never gonna play for the Falcons again. Um and you know, funny enough, the Jaguars are one of the games that he bet on the Falcons to win last year. Um, that got him suspended, now he is a Jaguar. Uh, so yeah, actually, I really like this deal for Jacksonville. Uh, I, I think it's worth a shot. You need that, like Christian Kirk's good, but he's not a number one. Like Calvin Ridley, we've seen be a number one at times, and I think for the Falcons, in terms of you know, draft picks here, it's they, they do need depth. That I think that team isn't bad as bad as they seem, but they need a lot of depth and this should help them get that.
0: Six more trades, all minor-ish players, so we'll kind of work through them quickly. Uh Miami acquires running back Jeff Wilson Jr. uh from San Francisco for a 2023 fifth. Uh I assume this has more fantasy implications than it may have real life. Yeah well you have the the
1: Mike McDaniels uh his 49ers backfield back together, Raheem Mostert and Jeff
0: Wilson. So just fit the system, plug them in. Uh, Denver tries to replace Bradley Chubb with uh, another pass rusher, Jacob Martin, from the Jets. They acquire Jacob Martin in a 2024 fifth. Uh, in exchange, they give the Jets a 2024 fourth. Yes, yeah, move down around.
1: I, I I honestly don't know too much about how Jacob Martin's done from – you know, tweets from Jets fans, they seem to think, you know, he was decent, but just, Jermaine Johnson's kind of taking that spot. Uh,
0: Shane Pittsburgh finally gets William Jackson third. after the Bengals <laughs> took him one spot ahead of him and you had to get Artie Burns. Thanks. Thanks for that, by the way. Uh, now you finally get William Jackson the third on his last legs, I would assume here. Then uh, you also get a 2025 seventh-round pick in exchange for a 2025 – sixth round pick
1: it's, it's, it's as little as you can give for a player yeah, this is literally the
0: ham this is the equivalent of trading somebody for a ham sandwich i mean he literally the cost
1: money wise is is huge so i think that's why it kind of so cheap like they're, they're gonna have to pay him i mean the steelers have the cap space why not um not a good year for william jackson but he is has been good at man coverage and that's what the steelers play can't can't get much worse so uh i'll Hope, Hopefully it's Joe Hayden all over again. That's my hope, I guess.
0: <laughs> this one's kind of an intriguing uh, trade here. Buffalo acquires Naheem Hines from Indianapolis in exchange for Zach Moss in a 2023 sixth-round pick. That is a conditional pick. I'm not sure what the condition is here. I assume it's playing time or something. I, I I like that for
1: the Bills. I think it says a lot about James Cook not being a great pick. Um you know he he's he's still he caught a nice pass the week before but he's dropped some passes he just hasn't looked good like neheim hines is who you want james cook to be just so like we're just gonna go and get him we're going for a super bowl he, you know we can't don't have time for this for this uh running back to learn maybe, maybe, maybe
0: next year james cook will be ready for this but he's not right now and this it's it's we've got a lot invested so yeah i get that uh Hey, former Gamecock Rashad Fenton, cornerback, uh, traded from Kansas City to Atlanta ex- in exchange for a conditional seventh-round pick. Um, this this is more of Kansas City's uh, corner room has improved itself to the point that Fenton was expendable. Atlanta has a need. Let's let's just help each other out here. And Buffalo uh, acquires, I'm assuming, a depth piece here at safety, Dean Harlow uh, from Atlanta for a 2023 seventh-round pick. Yeah. So I, I'm just glad there were so many trades, and it was fun. It was a fun, fun day. 20 minutes of trade talk here, Shane, uh, yeah. we got to there. But now let's talk about some college football shenanigans um, with some injuries, and we had some uh, some injuries this week to talk about. None more so than uh, Georgia edge rusher Nolan Smith, a uh, torn peck, uh, no all star game for him, no combine for him. Maybe, maybe he gets a, one of those close to the draft workouts.
1: It's it's tough. I, I think, I think it hurts him. Um, you know, we were talking about his potential top 10 pick, maybe one point top five pick. I, I think he still could be a first rounder. Like you said, he'll, you know, the medical be good. Oh, we got, we got that question in the chat from Steven. Yeah, I I think he'll still settle into the first round, maybe even be a late first steal, because I I think he's an excellent
0: player. Um, I don't think he's going to have like like the drop that David Ajabo had into the second round last year. Uh, I'm with you. I think it's uh, but but it just goes to show you that the uh, the draft countdown uh website graphic it, it, it curse is real. It is it is a real thing that exists. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, we are the new Madden curse. Uh, Garrett Williams, uh, corner, who has been picking up a lot of buzz from Syracuse as uh, a potential second third round uh, player, tore his ACL uh, this past weekend against Notre Dame, and he will miss the obviously the remainder of this season, and he probably will not have any workouts as well should he enter the draft
1: yeah it, it's it's tough I mean he was he he was pretty high on my list I dropped him down i I still think I need to drop him more i I almost expect him to go back to school and him induce chest now the syracuse secondary is pretty good so uh, it sucks uh injuries are just the worst thing about football for sure
0: yeah no, no doubt about it um and then let's see we had um well, we had Brenton Cox, and we're going to talk more about him, and uh, we got a, a question on Twitter. We'll get more into Brenton Cox's effects on his draft stock. But just quickly, he was dismissed from the Florida uh, team over an incident, uh, allegedly, and like I said, we have no corroborating. This is just from source uh, a source, uh, allegedly punched a Georgia player uh, during the game and was suspended. I'm guessing there was other issues at play here, and this was maybe the last straw type of deal with the new coaching staff. Uh, But he has opted to enter the draft, uh, becoming the second player so far that has declared uh, that we know of, uh, but joining Brendan Evers from Oklahoma State defensive lineman. So, Brenton Cox uh, out. Like I said, we'll talk more about him later, but just want to bring it up. And eight Michigan State players suspended Shane for an ugly incident in the tunnel uh, after the game where they, uh, on video, assaulted uh, a Michigan football player, uh, only one of the eight players that I could find were on our watch list and that was safety Angelo Grosse. but uh, so none of these players really draft stock as of right now um, uh hurt by this but just an ugly scene yeah it, it, it was it was ugly to
1: watch that video and and see that happen. I mean all, all around just
0: everyone dropping the ball and the, those players rightfully suspended for that right and uh finally on the college news front uh auburn has uh inevitably finally fired uh head coach brian harson we all kind of knew this was coming actually i think we all knew it was coming before the season started and then <laughs> yeah. auburn completely went in the tank uh, followed that up um he's owed 15.8 million dollars Half of which, Shane, they have to pay out the first thirty days. After. This is—I'm telling you, man fired college football coaches. That's that's the ticket. That's the way to. That's the just way gonna to work to, up enough to get yeah, just get fired. To get fired. Um, but, um, Auburn has paid out between Gus Malzahn, Brian Harson, and defensive coordinator Kevin Steele. Auburn has paid out or will have to pay out forty-one point five million dollars for coaches to leave.
1: There you go. Tuition well spent, right? Uh, so, well,
0: I'm guessing this is coming from one or two guys. Fair uh, enough. If you if you live in the state of Alabama, everybody knows the one guy it's coming from. Uh, the, the interim head coach makes you feel old, though, right? Right. Oh, Cadillac kind of like Williams. Yes, the interim head coach. There, he uh, scouted him as a we, draft we did. Uh, I saw him uh, play at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I think it was 2004. That, that sounds right. Uh, yeah. I, I'd have to look that up. Uh, 2003, 2004. Um, uh, I have a friend who blocked for Cadillac Williams uh, at Auburn. Um, also blocked for Ronnie Brown and Brandon Jacobs for a little bit of time, too. So that's a good resume uh, yeah, if you're a fullback. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so quickly, uh, Shane, we've heard by now some of the candidates for the job. Who would you like to see? as the next head coach of the Auburn Tigers <laughs> who, who would I like to see or who should they hire I think are two let, different things but
1: let's 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 uh, do a little bit of both yeah I'd be like I, mean, I, I want to see Deion Sanders like let, let's let's do it like let, let's do it said in it would be in the SEC you know he you know he would talk trash uh, and those guy in those uh commercials to Nick Saban you know it'd be, those it'd be commercials great. would end
0: <laughs> there would be no more jo- joint athletic commercials anymore. Uh, if that was the case, I can almost guarantee that. Oh my goodness. But I mean, like that, would be fun, right? That would be pretty fun. Not always who, who I would like to see them hire. I think that might actually be the best guy for them to hire yeah. <laughs> because of Auburn's proximity to Atlanta. He's going to be able to recruit every parent of a recruit. He goes to, they know who Deion Sanders is. And and not only that with Nil now, he's gonna it's obviously he knows how to get Nil money for some of his players as we see by the number one player in the country signing with Jackson State. So and he won't be intimidated by Nick Saban, which is not something you can say for a lot of head coaches. So I I think it could be one of the the best way to go.
1: And the other thing is, he's going to bring all those players with him. I mean, his son's going to start a quarterback next year for you. You have a starting receiver. You have a starting corner. You know, like, all these players are going to come in and immediately start, and they're on SEC-level players. Like, it's not bad.
0: It sucks for Jackson State, I guess. But, you know, I mean, that's the game now. That's the game. Uh, A couple of other coaches I've heard rumored. Hugh Freeze, obviously, is going to come up. Another guy who's beat Nick Saban as a head coach. Uh, has a bit of a uh, problem with uh, moral fiber, so to yeah. speak. Um, but oddly, I thought it odd yesterday, and, and uh, Thor Nystrom uh, pointed this out. When the day started yesterday, Jeff Grimes, office coordinator at Baylor, was listed at plus 1,100. Close of business last night, Jeff Grimes was plus 100. Yeah. On the boards. Now he also has a former coach at Auburn, so as well has coached there. So something to keep an eye on if if that sort of logic. Uh, I I I bet it's him. That would be my bet if I would bet. Could be, could be. All right, Shane. Let's actually get into we've thirty said now. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of the program here. Week nine is coming, and gone, and uh, we uh, watched a good chunk of games last week. Uh, offensively, I'll start here. Uh, best player I saw last week. Uh, and this was probably his third best game of the year. <laughs> if you look at his game box there, Pitt running back, uh, Israel, abanaconda 26 carries 127 yards, three touchdowns against North Carolina. He's already gone over a thousand had six touchdowns and 300 plus yards rushing against Virginia tech earlier this season. Um, this guy doesn't go down on the first, uh, first contact he is a he is a grinded out guy um I don't think he's got that top year speed he's not Devin uh a chain or (laughs) or anything but uh I think there's a role for this guy at the NFL maybe not next year I don't know if he'll enter the draft next year as only a third year player but um I was impressed uh by his balance and uh, ability like I said to get the yards after contact yeah, he, he's had a great year. He wasn't
1: even the starter coming into the year for Pitt. And Ronnie Hammond went down week one. Uh, and at just of went off. I mean, I, I really liked him coming in. He's helping my college fantasy football team. I'll tell you that much right now.
0: Um, who stood
1: out for you on that offensive side of the ball this week? Well, I feel like offensive linemen don't get enough love on this segment on our show. So, let's, let's do it. Anton Harrison for Oklahoma uh, against Iowa State was – flat out dominant. Uh, I mean, they were just pounding the ball to that left side and he was, I mean, taking guys out. Uh, there was one play, he literally like drove a defender to the sideline, uh, sealing the edge. I wish we would have seen Will McDonald on that side more. I think Iowa state smartly was rushing him from the other side. <laughs> um, so, you know, but, but even when they played, when they went against each other, uh, Harrison got the better, other than one holding call um he was really good not getting a ton of buzz I think he's a nice solid day two candidate maybe with first round upside offensive tackles can definitely rise
0: um my defensive player this week that caught my eye was uh Isaiah Foskey the edge rusher from Notre Dame had a good good game against Syracuse really uh really took Matthew Bergeron to task there their left tackle had a Good work against him, three solo tackles, two for loss, had a sack. Uh, Could have got a couple more, uh, had some hurries there. Just a good overall game uh, from Isaiah Foskey in the the win against Syracuse. Could have gone with Brandon Joseph as well, who set the tone early in the game, had a pick six to start. Could have had another interception later. It was called back uh, on a penalty. But um, good game from Isaiah Foskey, like I said. Uh, Matthew Bergeron, who I think is a, you know, borderline top 100 player at the position he really uh he handled him pretty well
1: yeah i mean i mean that's uh man notre dame has gotten a lot better i think since week one since early in the season losing to marshall i think that defense finally starting to gel like you talked about foskey and Brent joseph uh i thought struggled early in the season but they've come up big so really rehab their stocks um for me i i your boy Shamari Connor was good. Uh, I wrote about him in an article, but I'm going to have to go with Mike Morris, the defensive lineman from Michigan. I think he was on your senior bowl list, your prediction mm-hmm. list. Um, you know, I was excited coming into the year for Julius Welshoff not getting any playing time because Mike Morris is playing so well. This guy is just, you know, a, a strong stud in the middle, playing a little edge, playing a little inside, gets gets a push. He ended up getting a really important sack in that game against Michigan State. Uh, along with Mozzie Smith, the super athletic defensive lineman edge guy for them. Uh, But, you know, Michigan moves their defenders on that line around a lot, and Mike Morse can play multiple positions. I really like him as a five tech. I think you could be looking at a third, fourth round pick potentially, but he keeps keeps moving up my board. I think NFL teams are starting to notice.
0: Yeah, he's uh, definitely a guy that wasn't on our watch list before the season started and has, has really emerged here as the season goes on to the point that, yeah, uh, I believe a Senior Bowl invite is in his future. Those invites probably going to start going out here in the next couple of weeks, I would I would say. I think we'll start looking for those here soon. Then we'll be talking about those every week. Yeah. Hey. All right, Shane, we have got a lot of games this week. 19. 19 Ooh. games on the docket this week because, Shane, Maxion baby is back. Yes. Midweek Maxion started last night. And it'll be that way through the rest of the College World regular season. So two of these games we'll talk about have already, t- already taken place uh, last night. Shane, uh, you watched on ESPNU at 6 o'clock, Ball State and Kent State. Uh, have you had a chance to watch this yet? And if so, did, uh, who, who stood out uh, to you from this game?
1: I did. I did watch this game. It, it was a fun back and forth, uh, action game. Um, Kent State running back Marquez Cooper stole the show for me in terms of draft eligible players. Uh, he had 32 carries, 168 yards, and a touchdown. And if they would have just stuck with him, I think they could have won this game, but end up losing to Ball State, who's running back uh, in their own right it was pretty good. And then, uh, receiver Jay Sean Jackson for Ball State really impressed with him. Great production from his end. So um, a a good, a good back game there.
0: Sounds good. I'll have to, uh, to watch one, watch those two teams at some point here before we uh, are all said and done. Uh, Last night uh, I haven't watched this game yet, but 6 30 PM last night on ESPN two, Buffalo at Ohio, Ohio with the big win last night. Uh, But we have no Ohio players on our watch list. I'm adding one. I
1: watched this this, this morning, and I, their oh. quarterback is going on this list. Uh, I mean, it, he was phenomenal in this game. So um, so Curtis you're telling Rourke. me watch Ohio's quarterback is what you're yeah. telling me. Yeah, take take a look. I want to see what you think because uh, Curtis Rourke was
0: lighting it up uh, against Buffalo. NFL passes. I mean, it was crazy. Is, isn't his brother like in the CFL right now getting some NFL buzz? Yeah, yeah. So uh, okay. Nathan Rourke, yeah. Um, Buffalo, uh, James Patterson, linebacker there, uh, his brother, Jarrett Patterson, I I don't know if he's still with the commanders or not, um, was a good running back there until he tested poorly. Uh, Tonight, Shane, on ESPN2, you are watching Western Michigan at Bowling Green. Um, Normally more buzz around the Broncos program there, but I, I don't know that any of these guys stand out to me immediately as, you know, draftable prospects. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about Bowling Green tight end Christian Sims, however. Yeah,
1: he, he's he's a talented, athletic player. Finally, getting a decent amount of playing time there for Bowling Green, so he's definitely on the top of my list. Um, he's playing in this one. Yeah, Western Michigan, um, a, l- a little bit tough. I, I like Sean Tyler. They're running back as a potential undrafted free agent type. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, just a-, a couple maybe late round free agents in this one.
0: Uh, tomorrow night, 6 o'clock on CBS Sports Network, I will be watching UTEP at Rice. And basically because uh, Nino talked up Luke McCaffrey, last week on the, in the comments on the podcast. So I'm like, okay, I will watch this guy, see what he's got. Uh, along with their edge rusher, Akita Inet Shukwu, uh fifth year player. Uh, and I know Praise Amowule, uh, UTEP, their edge rusher is a guy we've talked about before in the past. Yeah. I'm interested to see what you think of uh,
1: Luke McCaffrey. We'll see if, see if you come back and you're like, yeah, man, this guy's legit.
0: We'll see. They have a seventh-year player on our watch list. Look, that's always fun. Um, Shane going to the HBCU schools tomorrow night uh, on ESPNU at 630. Alabama A&M at Mississippi Valley State. Uh, Apparently no Jerry Rice clones for the Mississippi Valley State team. Nobody on our watch list uh, for them. But there are some intriguing wide receivers uh for the uh alabama AM and m aggies out of huntsville yeah i i really
1: uh like and i don't think he'll get drafted but i like um abdul Fate ibrahim hope i'm saying that correctly uh as the top receiver for alabama AM. and m that's this kind of why i wanted this game i wanted to watch him and, and get
0: that on record so we'll see if uh if i come away impressed Uh, Tomorrow night on ESPN at 6.30, I will be watching for my Sunbelt game this week, Appalachian State at Coastal Carolina. We've talked about both of these teams uh, before. I really love – I've I've fallen in love with Cameron Peoples. their running back at at App State. Uh, Nick Hampton, uh, their linebacker edge guy, uh, we've talked about as well. Uh, Big-time talent. And, of course, with Coastal, you – Grayson McCall – uh we I don't know what to think of him at this point as a pro prospect. I'm I'm just I'm at a loss. I, I don't know where, where to slot him anymore. I'm just confused. But uh we'll continue along in this process as we go. Yeah, and, and Nate Noel is
1: back for App State, so he's a, he actually got the majority of the runs last week for them. So I'm interested to see how that running back room does. And you know, we talked to Nick Hampton, the linebacker from App State, great pass rusher. I I, I want you to watch uh, my man for Coastal Carolina, Willie Lampkin, the guard, as a true freshman. He's super small for a guard, but he play, played like a really, really good player and just has not quite – you know, lived up to that. So I'm interested to see what you think if if he's an NFL guy or not.
0: I will definitely, definitely check him out. Us uh, moving on to Saturday, 6 p.m. on ESPN2. Uh, Duke at Boston College. Boston College, fresh off only scoring a whopping three points against UConn in a game you watched last week. <laughs> uh, we've we've closed the book on Phil Yurkovic, right? As a, as a pro uh, prospect. Yeah, he was he was the only name on my
1: stock down list that it was it was, it was bad. But at least he has at least he
0: have Zay Flowers to watch for Boston College in this offense. Right. Uh for Duke, um, not draft eligible yet, but their quarterback Riley Leonard intrigues me for multiple reasons. Uh he will be on our watch list uh for twenty twenty four next year, whenever we start that process. Um Shaka Howard Hayward they a uh, linebacker, a guy uh whose name I've heard bandied about as a player that I really need to focus on. Yeah, I, I think I think mean, he's a legitimate middle of that defense.
1: He makes things run there for Duke and has kept them in a lot of games. So um
0: definitely a name to watch out for potential day two. I'm day. sorry, that was Friday night, not uh I'm sorry, Friday night, six PM on ESPN two, not Saturday. Um early kickoff than usual on Saturday, 10 30 a.m. Air Force and Army on CBS, and normally I would have, n- under no circumstances, uh, watched a game with two service academies playing, but uh, when you start seeing the tweets about Air Force tight end Kyle Patterson, had to get had to get the eyeballs on him, and uh rumor, ha- Andre Carter's missed the last couple of weeks. Uh, he may play this week in return from injuries, so there you go. That's the reason I'm watching Air Force and Army. And uh, Brad
1: Roberts, one of the top fullbacks in this draft for Air Force. He'll, he's, he's a good for 150 rushing yards, two touchdowns every game.
0: <laughs> that doesn't intrigue me. All right. <laughs> uh, 11 a.m. on ESPN2, I will be watching Minnesota at Nebraska Uh, My first go at both of these teams this year. Um, So definitely going to be focused on, and we've got a question about Muhammad Ibrahim. Uh, We'll talk about him in a little bit. Uh, I definitely just, I want to watch John Michael Schmitz, their center, see how he plays in this one. And probably the player I want to watch more than any, uh, put him on my senior bowl list because of all the buzz he's gotten this year is their wide receiver, Trey Palmer at Nebraska. So, Definitely those are the two guys I'm coming in hard focused on in this game.
1: Yeah, and then Trey Palmer, I think he is a top top 10 PFF graded receiver for an all-college football this year. Um, you know, pro, we'll see if Casey Thompson plays. Uh, I think it'll heavily depend on how this game goes. If he doesn't play, Nebraska's in trouble. Um, Minnesota safety Tyler Nubbin's getting some buzz this week as well. So I'll player to look out for. Might might be rising up, and that All Star Game circuit could help him
0: uh, as well. Uh, absolutely, uh, O'Shane Mathis, another edge rusher for Nebraska's guy. I have liked I liked at TCU, so see how he's performing so far this season. 11 a.m. on Fox. Shane, uh, the rare non-Ohio State or Michigan game on Fox at 11 this year. Uh, Texas Tech at TCU. Um, TCU undefeated, feels a little spurned by the College World Playoff Committee, ranked below one loss Alabama, despite, you could argue, a better resume than them and Clemson, for that matter. Um, we, we both talked about I, – I believe we're both under this feeling that Max Duggan, or Duggan, good co- great college quarterback, we don't think he's going to translate to the NFL level there. I, I don't, but, you know, he, he continues to perform.
1: He continues to do well. I think he can't discount that uh, when it's week in, week out. I, you know, I'm really intrigued to see, because I, I think Quentin Johnston's finally come on. Now they're starting to utilize him. I think there's a chance he's the wide receiver one in this class, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, the size, the speed, now the production's coming. Uh, I, I, JSN's hurt. Jordan Addison's hurt. Uh, I mean, Quentin Johnston could end up being a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. And I think this game could go a long way to kind of solidifying that. So I'm intrigued to see if, if Dugan and him can connect again.
0: I uh, included Darius Davis in my senior bowl uh, picks. Pure speed guy, I think has a chance uh, to really show off down here. We've talked about Texas tech a couple of times. uh, Now, uh, Tyree Wilson, like I said, let's see how he uh, he handles himself in this game. Uh, he's another that has come on this season big time.
1: Yeah, yeah, he he's he's good. He's definitely a top one hundred player, and uh, they're I like their punter Austin McNamara as well.
0: Uh, Two p.m. on ESPN Plus, And when I saw this, I could not believe this game was on ESPN Plus. Yeah, uh, Baylor at Oklahoma. This. Just like I said, just odd that this game is streaming and not on, you know, linear television here. But uh, you mentioned Oklahoma's offensive tack or offensive lineman uh, in, in the in the list earlier, so we'll definitely be watching him again this week. Uh, Baylor, we've got a question about Siaki. Ika, we'll, t- we'll talk about him a little bit later as well. But I'm also a big fan of Connor Galvin, their offensive the tackle. thought he's uh, been impressive. Yeah, I, I think he's good. I think Baylor has a lot of those
1: kind of day three picks. Jacob Gall, the center, uh, I, I think you know they have some decent players there. I mean, Oklahoma, we know, always has a lot of talent in that room. Um, I think the running back, Eric Gray, has put himself in the drafted category. Jalen Redman, the defensive lineman I like, is maybe an early day three pick, some penetration. I really want to see Marvin Mims, the receiver for Oklahoma, he's he's performing i mean he's statistically but he's not the biggest he's not the fastest guy and i I just keep moving him down my list but maybe this can be a game he impresses me against a tougher defense
0: uh 2 30 p.m on big 10 network i will be watching michigan state at illinois Uh, you watched michigan state last week against michigan i have not watched the spartans this season i have watched illinois and we have talked a lot about chase brown and how great he's been uh Devin Witherspoon their corner has been really good this season um so for Michigan State like I said I have in the past been a big fan of Cap uh Krauts their linebacker I want to see him this play Jaden Reed their wide receiver as well so those are some guys I'm looking forward to seeing in this game like I said first game I've watched Michigan State yeah, I mentioned Jacoby Winman last week, and he, he had a pretty good game against Michigan as
1: well. Um, and I also highlighted in my article from Michigan State, Keon Coleman, the receiver, big, long, fast, uh, probably not going to be in this draft, but he is eligible and is a player that um, I, I think could show out and be a, a decent draft pick in a year or so.
0: The World Series is not going so well for me right now, Shannon. It's-
1: uh, we got to go back and forth here. So uh, that's how it goes. Yeah.
0: 2 uh, 30 p.m. Saturday on the ACC network. Shane, you will be watching Syracuse at Pittsburgh. Uh, I watched both of these teams last week. Um, so we've got a question uh, about Pitt defensive lineman, Elijah Cansey. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, I didn't write this down in injury news, but uh, Carter Warren is out for the year. Uh, Mm -hmm. with an injury, um, an undisclosed injury uh, at that. So they haven't really said, but I don't know if it's one of those that will keep him out of the senior bowl or, uh, or what, but he is out of eligibility. So that's, that's a done thing. Offensive tackle. Yeah. 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 Offside Carter Warren. Um, We talked earlier, Garrett Williams, the corner for Syracuse is out as well uh, for the year with an ACL so uh, any anything that you're really looking forward to seeing in this game, any matchups, uh, maybe Baldonado against Bergeron type of could be a good matchup to watch. Yeah, I think it's interesting
1: because I do like Bergeron, you mentioned. i I have him as as a day two guy. I think you know you mentioned probably in that top one hundred mix. Um, and Pitt just has a lot of day three players, John Morgan, the third, another edge rusher, along with ball uh, Havokuku with Baldonado um, Dennis, their linebackers. Like, I, you know, I'll see how that goes. And of course, um, of course, Sean Tucker, the running back for Syracuse is, I think this will be a good game for him to get a ton of stats here.
0: Arguably the biggest game of the week. I don't know if it's an argument here. <laughs> no, it's, but no, it's not. <laughs> uh, one versus three, depending on what poll you're looking at. One versus two, uh, Tennessee at Georgia, two thirty PM on CBS. Shane, I benefited from getting the first pick this week and well, I'll be watching this one uh, and we'll be watching everything for the most part, except for Nolan Smith, who's not going to play. We talked about earlier, but i tell you a guy I, from Georgia that I really want to watch this week is Broderick Jones. Uh, their offensive tackle, the buzz around him is, is, is real. I definitely want to see him play. And obviously we keep asking questions of Hendon Hooker. We're going to talk about it a little bit more uh, later in the question segment, but this is the next test for him and Jalen Hyatt, for that matter, who is all of a sudden making an argument to be drafted in the first round uh, with his play this year. Uh, he is like Cedric Tillman got hurt, and he just all of a sudden now nobody's talking about him anymore as that top option at wide receiver for the volunteers. It's Jalen Hyatt. So this a uh, crazy matchup, the corners for Georgia against those Tennessee receivers, Keely Ringo, you know, it's it's this is this is gonna be fun, Shane. A fun, fun game. Look,
1: look it is. I mean, Chris Smith, the safety for Georgia is probably going to end up matching up down the field on Hyatt. I think that's intriguing to me. You had a couple Tennessee offensive linemen on your senior Mm -hmm. bowl prediction list, Darno Wright and and, uh, Jerome Carvin, the guard. Um, They're going to be going up against a really good defensive line. uh, Like you mentioned with Jalen Carter. Uh, And I'm I'm interested in Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle for Georgia. You know, Can they protect Stetson Bennett uh, from Jeremy Banks and the Byron Young, the Tennessee linebackers, like oh every
0: every level, both teams. They're there are draft eligible guys that are going to get beyond an NFL team next year. Yeah. Jerome Carvin, one of those uh Tennessee offensive linemen at guard, probably going to see him line up against um
1: against Jalen Carter. Yeah, something Jalen Carter. I'm sorry, I was drawing a blank. I was
0: rolling up trying to find his name. But yes, yeah, so that's a, a an intriguing matchup. Now, the second most intriguing matchup from an NFL draft point of view, I said if I'm watching Tennessee, Georgia, Shane, you had to watch Alabama LSU because traditionally more players will be on NFL rosters from this game than any other game that will take place during the college football season. Uh, I don't know if that will be the case this year or not, but Alabama LSU, you had to watch it, Shane.
1: Yeah, I, look, I did, and because Jane Daniels, the quarterback for LSU, is kind of popping back. I, I don't, I still don't think he's an NFL player, but doing better. We're seeing Keyshawn Butte emerge the receiver for LSU again, but how's he going to do against an Alabama defense that I think after the Tennessee game said we're not, we're not doing that again. You know, we're not giving that up again. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued by all the safeties, Jordan Battle, DeMarco Hellams for Alabama. Um, we talked about the second level henry two o two o, uh the linebacker um you know i'm also interested in cameron lotu the tight end for alabama's been getting some buzz i really liked him coming into the season he was hurt uh i want to see if this could be a breakout game for him the lsu side um mikey gardner the corner someone i want to watch see how he does in this game uh so it, it's 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 still going to be a good game still still some big prospects all over and i still like bj ojalari the the edge rusher for LSU, I I don't know, It's not getting the buzz I thought he would this year.
0: I don't know if it was just a motivational-type deal or if he just wasn't practicing well and getting on the field or whatever, but it feels like the light bulb has come on uh, for Eli Ricks. Uh, The LSU transfer, who's uh, now at Alabama at corner, and I think he's going to look to have a big game here. Might see him lined up against – Uh, Kayshaun Butte a lot. Uh, I will say that quarterbacks that can move the pocket and stay focused downfield have given Alabama troubles in the past. Jaden Daniels could take advantage of some situations. We'll see. But um, an intriguing game there. Uh, I don't think that it's a complete runaway for Alabama like I have thought other games this year. No, I think it's gonna be a good game. I'm I'm excited for it. Um speaking of games I didn't expect last week. Uh Kansas State blows out Oklahoma State 48 to nothing with a backup quarterback. And now they host Texas 6 p.m. on FS1 Shane. You'll be watching this one. Uh it's intriguing. I'll say this: Kansas State uh wild team there and their edge rusher uh, Felix and a Duke and a DK Uzoma Uzoma Uzama uh big time pass rusher potential first round uh player there
1: yeah I mean he, he's he been on fire too throughout the throughout the season I like Cooper Bebe the offensive tackle for Kansas State and then Deuce Vaughn, their running back, 5, 7, 175 pounds, soaking wet, still just he just tore up. He's tearing up every team. I don't think he declares for the draft, but I, I don't know how, how someone doesn't take him day two. And uh, Texas, you know, a ton of ton of players. Um, I, you know, we know Bijan Robinson, the running back, but their backup running back, Roshan Johnson, former quarterback, is has played really well. And I think he's a draftable prospect. And I love the defensive line for Texas. I just think we're going to see a bunch of these guys drafted early. Keandre Coburn, Mojo um, uh, Romo, uh, Moro Ojomo, the other defensive lineman for them. So this is another game like I would not have expected to pick going into the season, but excited to see it this week.
0: Uh, any word if
1: Adrian Martinez is going to play this week or if he's out again? <laughs> Um, that's a good question. I haven't, I haven't heard anything. So I, my guess is that means, um, no, but I think it's still up in the air. I I think they're kind of keeping it close to the vest right now.
0: Auburn at Mississippi state 6 30 PM on ESPN two. We talked earlier about the coaching chain, Shane at Auburn. Um, you'll be watching this one. Um, they, Auburn has had several players, uh, transfer out, uh, only, I think we've had, Oh, Three now because I forgot about Zevion Capers. Uh, moved out, I think, today or yesterday. So he's on our currently on our watch list. He will not be as soon as uh, this podcast is over. But uh, Tank Bixby throughout all of this this year has just been steady in production and just his skill level. I think he's a top 100 talent chain at this point. Uh, I, on your senior role predictions list, you, you had uh, several Auburn defenders on it, including their edge rushers, uh, Derek Hall and Eku Liotta. Um, so both of those guys, I think Owen Papo, the linebacker as well. So like I said, Auburn's got talent here, um, NFL talent that's going to play in the league next year. I, I don't know. Mississippi State has kind of been lukewarm here lately uh, after they got off to a good start. That tends to be the M.O. here of a Mike Leach coached football team. As fun as he is, uh, his teams tend to run hot and cold.
1: The, yeah, they do, and, and it's always tough in, in the SEC. Yeah, I've banged the table from Manuel Forbes, the corner from Mississippi State. I think he does well. I, I you know I think Auburn has a good game. I think, you know, Harson maybe he was holding them back a little bit. We'll see what happens. I, I just hope for
0: a fun game here. Um, 6 30 p.m. on NBC, Shane. uh, I feel like this game should probably be getting more buzz, but it's not going to without being on TV at the same time as Alabama LSU and following Georgia, Tennessee. But uh, Clemson at Notre Dame, uh, Clemson undefeated. Uh, Top five team right now. We talked earlier, Notre Dame feels like they're starting to get some momentum going. Um, So, yeah, I see Clemson's defensive line has been really good this year. Uh, Miles Murphy, uh, when he's played, uh, Brian Brise has been good. Uh, KJ Henry, uh, Xavier Thomas, those guys have all started to play like the five-star players that they are. And it has helped Clemson uh, probably win some games that they should have lost.
1: That's why I'm I'm excited to see Notre Dame center Jared Patterson up against that defensive line. Because like you said, I mean, they've been tough and Notre Dame's going to want to run the football. Are they going to be able to get that push? Uh, So it's intriguing. We talked about a lot of the Notre Dame guys already. Um, I think I I can't pick it for lack of the week, but I I think Notre Dame wins this game. I think it's going to be an upset um at home for them.
0: Uh quickly we'll go through this one. Uh, cause at this point I'm just gonna watch South Carolina play every week now because it's <laughs> easier for me. I'm gonna watch the game anyway, so I might as well write about the game anyway. So <laughs> it just it's become a matter of convenience at this point for me, Shane. But well, they're playing Vanderbilt. I haven't watched Vanderbilt this year, 6:30 p.m. on the SEC network. There's my excuse. Uh I wrote and tweeted a lot of vile things in the past week about the University of South Carolina. Won't repeat them here. You can go read uh my um uh, prospect rewind from yesterday at draftcountdown.com to see what I had to say about the South Carolina players from last week. Uh Anthony Orgy, I think the best Vanderbilt prospect, probably the only one that gets drafted if I had to take a guess uh from here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I th- I think he probably will, but um yeah, I, I, th- I think I think this is a nice get right game for your game, Cox, at least.
0: Get bowl eligible, man. That's 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 all it is because it gets a bit dicier after <laughs> this one if you don't. So yeah. go ahead and lock that lock that bowl game up and uh, see 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 if I'm gonna travel anywhere. Uh, let's get to that lock of the week, Shane. We are in a rut, man. We yeah. both. We've both lost both games two weeks in a row here. It's not great. We got to get out. Got to get out of this, man. So I'm going with the, what we call a trend here, Shane. All right. I'll pick a lock of the week here. I don't have the 100% of the numbers here to back this up, but it feels like every time a team fires a head coach, the next week they at least cover, if not win outright. Well, Call me crazy here, and I have been by a couple people already. I'm going with the Auburn Tigers as the lock of the week this week, Shane, get plus 12 and a half at Mississippi State. I, I feel like I, I'm not even – I may bet the money line on this one. Wow, That's not the lock of the week. I'm going to take the points for the lock. <laughs> but I may throw a little cash on the money line.
1: Look, I'm in that. That was my backup game. I almost picked them as well because I'm with you. I think when team fires a head coach, it's like, all right, let's rally together. You got it happened this. just
0: last week with Charlotte, and they yeah. just pummeled Rice last week after they fired Will Healy. So,
1: so you know, I look. I considered Auburn. I considered Notre Dame. Uh, but I, I'm going with a dog against a uh, home dog against a ranked team. I'm taking Tulsa plus seven and a half against Tulane. Tulane ranked nineteenth. In the college football playoff ranking, which means they would go to a New Year's game. Yeah, they would get
0: uh, one of the old, yeah, Cotton Bowl at
1: this point. Um, I think it's a lot of pressure for for a a young team, a small school team. Tulsa has a good offense. Give me the touchdown and a half, uh, and and I I think Tulsa can even win this thing. So I'll, I'll take the seven and a half and hope they lose by a touchdown
0: if they they can't win. There you go. Um. So, Shane going Tulsa, seven and a half this week at home against Tulane. I'm going Auburn, plus 12 and a half at Mississippi State. Uh, Shane, we don't get to play our game this week, as uh, I don't recall Jim Nagy cryptically tweeting about a prospect. <laughs> so, we're going to skip that. And we're going to write into questions, uh, like I said, of which we have several. Um, so, let's just – we'll start with Twitter here. And our buddy Nino has uh, sent us a couple of questions here. Does the dismissal of Brenton Cox Jr. affect his draft stock?
1: I mean, I think it can. I don't think we 100% know everything that's gone into it. Like you said, I mean, the the punching of Kenny McIntosh probably played into it. But ultimately, um, there seems to be more here. My guess is usually no, dismissal from the team this late, I think Brenton Cox has a long career. There's a lot to look back on. Um, maybe it hurts him a little bit, but it, it's those things we never know as, as draft analysts is the uh, character and the medical, you know, usually you don't we don't have that full picture. Cox is going to be one of those players, could go second round, could go undrafted, you know, we'll have to see on draft day. But ultimately I think he's still going to fall into that, you know, round three to five mix.
0: I think he was probably a day three guy already. So I don't know how, like I said, I don't know how much this is going to really affect him. Uh, at worst, he goes from the fourth to the fifth round. I mean, the money's not going to, his money's not going to get really impacted by this. I still think, you know, since he didn't do anything like arrest worthy, he still gets an a opportunity maybe to go to the senior bowl, stuff like that. He'll be able to answer the questions down there with the NFL teams and, uh, you know, get it figured out. Uh, Nino seems sad. His boy, Will Levis, says, uh, well, he's uh, not had the best uh, three games here, uh, his last three games, and has wondering if he's fallen out of the top two rounds. Uh, And if so, what does he need to get back in? I don't think he's quite fallen that far.
1: Like, I, like, I think some teams still going to take him. Um, you know, really, really, I think it's just the last two. I think the Mississippi State game and the Tennessee game, not great for him. Um, Tennessee game was bad. I mean, 98 <laughs> yards, three picks. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was rough. Um, I think the thing with Will Levis is it wasn't the stats that, teams are intrigued by right it's the size the, size, the arm it's the athleticism arm. it's you know all these tools and this tool set so as long i think as long as he bounces back i think he could still be a first round pick now i don't think he's maybe the top five top 10 pick we were talking about i think that's maybe out the window but if you're a team pick in the middle or late first i think a team could still take a, a
0: shot on him. it's you know i left him off my senior bowl list because i thought he would turn it down I, I don't think he turns it down anymore. <laughs> I, and, I, and,
1: and he might, he might, you know, he's probably going to look the best out of any senior quarterback. Those practices, he's going to look good. Yes. Yeah. Because
0: so. he's going to be one of the few. Like, if anybody, if you have never been down to Mobile for the senior role, there's going to be at least one to two days that wind's going to cut, and they're going to want to see those quarterbacks throw through it. And Will Levis is going to be probably one of the few that's equipped to handle that. Uh, that'll be down here um so yeah just keep just get it figured out by the end of the season have a good all-star game uh then you get you get back in you get back in the hunt uh final question from nino here uh where does muhammad ibrahim ranks amongst your running back class uh seems the injury is now an afterthought uh Shane i'll let you go
1: yeah, it's a wild recovery from an Achilles injury. It's usually pretty bad. Um, and Ibrahim, the running back from Minnesota, he's he continues to just produce. Uh, he's had over 100 yards rushing and a touchdown every single game this season that he's played. Um, I still have him down pretty far. I mean, I, he's just slow and has has had the Achilles injury. I think it's just going to be tough to draft him you know, anywhere above round five through seven. So I think he's running back 21 on my board. Now I expect a player, a couple of players ahead of him to go back to school. Um, so I imagine he will move up by the end, but I think, yeah, late, late pick, but might be one of those guys that, hey, gets a shot in the NFL and produces like we've seen some day three running backs do.
0: I've currently got him at RB 28, um, which will put him as a late day three, probably when it all shakes out on my board, but um but I'm with you as well. I think there's a lot of I've got probably a lot of guys ahead of him that are gonna return to school. So he'll he'll move up that way. I still think he's a sixth, seventh round guy on my board because of the injury and the like. Um at Lord Luckin on Twitter asks on what you've seen so far this season, who do you think should be quarterback three right now? This is pretty easy. It's Hendon Hooker. And I don't, at this point, I don't think it's even close.
1: Yeah. I mean, after Anthony Richardson and Tyler Van Dyke both kind of imploded, uh, Hooker became IQB three and hasn't really looked back. I mean, he's, he's, he's the That's high, he's, he should win the Heisman right now. We'll see how the rest of the season goes, but he should be it. I think I think I bet on him to win the highs when it was plus like a thousand, something like that. So I'm hope hoping uh maybe that he wins it. it really, it's the age and the system, right? That I mean those are the questions. Do you want to draft a, a quarterback that's older than Daniel Jones? Like we've talked about, it's twenty six. Do you want to draft a guy that's in a in a mesh only system? I, I think some
0: team will. Uh, let's go to the Discord where Sam asks, uh, where do you think are the best landed spots and scheme fit would be for uh, Pitt defensive lineman Kalijah Kansi uh, to make it in the NFL? I, I mean, I think the obvious one is the Rams. I think Kalijah cancy's
1: kind of undersized, good pass rushing defensive lineman hasn't had the season that I think a lot of people in, in Pittsburgh hoped, but you know, you have a, a Pitt defensive tackle, the best to ever play Undersized, You know, and Aaron Donald sitting there like, hey, draft him, let him learn. Uh, but I think uh, as kind of that uh, that three tech, you know, let him rush the passer is ideal. Probably a lot of NFL teams where uh, he might not fit. He might be a little bit of a tweener. Um, but, yeah, I, w- I would like that fit with the, one of the Rams, like two picks they have in this draft.
0: Uh, Sam also asked, which player can you see going in the top 15 that has the safest Projection. Uh, I mean,
1: the, I think the easy answer is Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas. Right? Like, I, I think he's safe. He's going to be good, um, bar, barring injury. I think Bijan Robinson's going to be a good running back in the NFL. Now, I would have said that about Trent Richardson, I guess. So you can take that for what it's worth. Um, but I think Bijan's a safe pick. I think uh, outside of that, I might i think i might go michael Mayer too like as a guy that's going to stick around the nfl for a long time mercedes lewis-esque i think those guys both of them will stick around the nfl maybe won't be the all-star studs but i think you're going to get production out of them some
0: some way somehow yeah michael Mayer was the first first one i thought about uh when i saw that question uh it's just kind of that safe safe player uh Let's move on to the comments section where our man G10, haven't heard from him in a while, man. Shout out uh, his questions. Uh, what do you think of Siaka Ika and Jervon Dexter? Are they potential first rounders? Uh, I think Jervon Dexter has that chance just because of his skill set and size and ability to to make pass rush. Uh, Ika, I, I'm going to say no. Cause I always tend to lean against just those big 340 pound run pluggers as guys who, you know, probably shouldn't be drafted in the first round. I I agree with you. I think Dexter
1: has the better shot to be a first rounder. I think unless Ika comes in and blows the doors off a workout, Jordan Davis esque, maybe not quite that level, but close. Then maybe we could start talking. Right. Um, I don't think he will. I think he's a good player. I think both are top 50 players.
0: Shane, this one's all you. Uh, what do you think of Ohio State Senator Luke Whipler? Uh, will he enter this draft, and where would he project? I'm, I'm going to say he probably goes back
1: to school. Uh, that interior is probably going to stay together. Maybe Matthew Jones, the guard, um, comes out. Um, I, I think he's probably right now an early day three pick. Some some really good film, good games, especially in terms of blocking for the run being physical. He's gotten a lot more physical this year. Um, but there's definitely some some mental errors, especially in pass protection that have happened in the middle of the field. Uh so I have him as my center four, which is probably a little high. Maybe it's a little homer-esque as, as a buckeye, but um, yeah, I think early day three.
0: There you go. Um we knew this one was gonna run long, Shane. We saw the uh all the trades and stuff yesterday. So uh final thoughts on everything that has happened this past week and what's coming up.
1: Well it's it's certainly been a wild week at the very least. But uh yeah, I mean I I, I dropped the 2024 seven-round mock draft. It's definitely something to check out um as we go. I think uh Brad's bringing out his, his top 10 running backs. So it's coming if to- tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's coming tomorrow. And he, he, you know, I, I don't know if he's taking the L on having Will Levis as his number one quarterback last week, but we'll have to, <laughs> ask, him <about> <laughs> we'll have to ask him about that at some point. Um, and then uh, yeah. And, and, on Sunday, um, Rand is going to be talking about all the trades that went down. So it'll be, it'll be a good, good week for the NFL content too.
0: Uh, For our audience of one who pulls for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, I'll be talking about them on Saturday and their game uh, last week against Louisiana and their prospects. I'm becoming a bigger fan of Jason Brownlee, their wide receiver, the more I watch of him. Uh, Also on Friday, uh, I am expanding my my, uh, big board to 200 players. And uh, there will be some significant changes. I just kind of took a glance at it when we were answering the uh, top 15 question there. And I was like, oh, God, that is some ugly, uh, ugly stuff right now from uh, what I know on some of these guys. So that is definitely going to be prime for an update. And that's coming on Friday, top 200, big board coming out. But uh, that's going to do it uh, for tonight's episode of the Draft Countdown podcast. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Howland. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter at Draft Countdown. For everything you need to know about the NFL draft, go to DraftCountdown.com. For Shane, I'm Brian. Good night, everybody.